8th of July, everybody. Welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. You can follow me at the Dan Urban. You can follow the podcast at Couchside Judges. And you can subscribe wherever you listen. And if you like this show, if you like what you're hearing, give us a five-star review. And please read that ABC criteria. You can find it at abcboxing.com. Dan, it's not quite the 4th of July anymore, of course, but, uh, you know, for a lot of people, this is a holiday. Sure, sounds like it. Sounds like it's still the 4th of July. Well, it's because while we're recording, it more or less is. Yeah. there, There is that. Yes. But it's a holiday. You know, a lot of people, you know, it's a, you know, this fell on a Sunday this year. Some people get the holiday on Monday. I worked on the 4th. I'm working on the 5th, so I get no reprieve. But yeah, me neither. For other people, good for you. Enjoy it. Yes, enjoy it. Cook some burgers. And for uh, our international listeners, um, happy Monday. Yeah, happy Monday. Mm-hmm. And also Merica. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> because we have to say it. It's it's actually part of uh, the agreement so that we can remain citizens of this country. The only thing that's stupid about this holiday is fireworks. You don't like fireworks. Fireworks are the, like, I will say air conditioning is probably the greatest invention of all time. <laughs> fireworks okay. is the worst invention of all time. They're just stupid. There's, it's a waste of money. There's no reason for them. There's nothing. There's no redeeming qualities they have. They're just, colorful. So is crayons. Yeah, and they're great too. What's your problem? Why do you have against crayons now? I got none against What's crayons. What's the war on crayons? None What's the war on crayons. color? That's really what it is. None, no war on color. I love colorful things. Like I fireworks. Don't need, I don't need to see them in the air. It makes no. I mean, it does nothing for me. I don't know. I, it, I enjoy it for it. I'm not. I don't go crazy over it. But I, I'm a little disappointed. I didn't get to see any this year. Nope. The dogs get upset, and that upsets me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for your dogs. Yeah, and fireworks. Not sorry about fireworks. What else did you do over the weekend, though? Obviously, you didn't give a you know hoot about fireworks. I went swimming when it was 60 degrees out. I went swimming uh, earlier today, too, with, with my boys. We even got my youngest in the pool, and he, oh. he was definitely not interested in getting in the pool the last couple of times. This time you went in. Coaxed him. It took a while. <laughs> <laughs> we had to get him down to one step. Hey, we got it out to another step. You got to get a cookie in the pool. That's <laughs> honestly, that's I don't know that that would have even helped him. But <laughs> but ultimately, at the end, you know, we we were, we moved slowly. We worked for a while. I was also squirting him with a with a water gun, uh, which which he was just laughing about. He was like, no, 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 and he's laughing. <laughs> and then at the end, I'm like, you know what? We're we're gonna give it a try. I'm gonna pick you up and pull you in. And I mean, not like pull him in, but like I was holding on to him when we walked in together. And uh, and honestly, I was just waiting for him to scream his head off like he did the last few times we did at swimming lessons. Hmm. And sure enough, he was fine. Well, that's good. So maybe we got him over it. I don't know. We'll find out at Wednesday swimming. Get him lessons. in the water young. Stay tuned for that. We'll find out. Mm-hmm. The ever-going saga of Will Scott's youngest take to the water. You will. Mm-hmm. Have you seen these videos of like like infants just being launched into the pool? Uh, no. Is, yeah, it's is it's, it's chi- a, is it a child abuse? No, suppose or what it's is it? like. It's they do it at like YMCA's. It's part of like mommy and baby swim lessons. Yeah, we did that, and it's like we didn't do that part though. You just you just take them and you you throw them in there. Just and, throw them in and and find out if they drown or not. Well, no, the swim. If they tr- survive, they they get to be like yes. one of the strong ones. <laughs> yeah, the the swim instructor's waiting for them. They just launch them. I'm like, oh, this is pretty insane. Huh? This is definitely but, not uh, what we did at the uh, at the Hackensack uh, Fitness and Wellness Centers. Sink uh, or swim. That's, <laughs> Nah, man. <laughs> I'm not doing that with my kids. Jesus. Who are these people? People are crazy. I'm not going to have any kids, but if I ever did, it would be like, listen, get in the pool. It's all. I'm like, well, you're going to learn to swim right now. 
Well, it's more or less how my it. wife is. She swam all her life through high school and everything, mm-hmm. so she was all about swimming lessons and everything. But you know, it's been a weird year, so we kind of missed out on the chance to do it the past year, yeah. Uh, especially lesson wise. So yeah, the youngest, my my oldest, actually is really taken to it. He's very happy. That's good. Yeah, the pool is so much fun. He's having a lot of fun, and he was. Uh, he they were both actually very impressed with watching my wife swim underwater. Oh, at my parents' yeah. house, they're like, "Wow, you're like a shark." <laughs> Gotta get one of those fins. They sh- oh yeah, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> that could work. But anyway, en- enough about swimming and, and my kids and stuff like that. Uh, you know, I do like talking about burgers, but you know, we don't have to go crazy about that. I had a burger today. I had uh, three burgers today. One of which was an elk burger. That's incredible. It was at two different locations. <laughs> That's commitment to the burger. Yeah. And then I made a burger for myself the other day. Man likes his over. burgers. I I love me some burgers. Hashtag vegan. That's Scott. Mm, I'm not. <laughs> if you are that, I respect you. That's fine. But for me, give me the meat. The man needs his meat. That's how I feel. But anyway, enough meat, enough 4th of July, enough 5th of July. We have a little bit of figurative fireworks. I think these are the type of fireworks you can get behind, right? From then. the 3rd of July. From Wolf, well, one of which is from the 3rd yes. of July. And we've got three fights for past judgment, but none of them went to a decision. We picked all fights that ended in the second round after having really spectacular or very interesting first rounds, like very famous fights. Uh, at least most of them are two out of three. And the, I mean, the third is, is even a really good fight. It just probably wasn't seen by as wide of an audience, but uh, before we dive in, let's, let's uh, Dan, why don't you, uh, Explain how the couchside judges scoring system works before we get into these first round fireworks. Yes, our system is a bit more liberal when it comes to furthering the scores. Of course. So basically the same as the ABC criteria, which as mentioned earlier is available at abcboxing.com. And like certified judges, we score rounds based on the 3Ds, damage, dominance, and duration. We just made a few key changes. 10-9 round is a competitive round in which neither fighter checks one of the 3Ds by a large margin. A 10-8 can be considered for just 1-D, but should definitely be given when 2-Ds are achieved. A 10-7 is available for checking off 2-Ds, but must be given for all three. We've discarded tiebreakers for effective aggression and area control, as these are rarely used by judges anyway. The rare 10-10 would only be given in largely uneventful rounds. All this helps provide for more varied scores that should more accurately reflect what happened in a fight. Alright, Scott. Set up the first one. Brock Lesnar versus Shane Carwin. Yes, this was the inspiration for this show, because we, you know... We didn't really know exactly what we were gonna do this week, uh, with or this for this episode with with no fights. But I said, you know what? Everyone's been talking about Lesnar Carwin. It was eleven years uh, ago because that was July third, twenty ten. Uh, the UFC one sixteen headliner from FGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas. And I said, you know what? Let's do round one of that because that was such a wild round. Let's talk about that. Let's see how we would do it. So Lesnar coming in here, he's thirty two years old. Uh, it was the primary champion. This was a unification uh, heavyweight title fight. Um. And actually, he had become the unified champion in his previous bout the previous July after beating up Frank Mir at UFC 100, got a second round TKO. Uh, That would be an interesting first round to look at, too. He pummeled him. He really did. I mean, that's probably it. I'm just going to guess that's a 10-7, but (laughs) we could go back and look at that one day. Uh, Maybe maybe for next year's fireworks. Perhaps. Yeah. Uh, He and Carwin, actually, they were supposed to fight the previous November, but that's when Lesnar first started getting sick. Uh, with that, of course, famous, uh, infamous bout with diverticulitis when uh, his colon was a, was a total mess. Uh, diverticulitis is no joke. My cousin's husband had it one time, mm-hmm. and it was very, very awful. I'm um, stunned 
knowing how bad it got for him that Brock Lesnar was able to fight within a year. And he was also fighting apparently while suffering from it when he beat Frank Mir that second time. Wild. Just uh, that second fight, I should say. Um, Carwin coming in here. He's 35 years old. He was the interim champ, 12 and 0. So with Lesnar out, of course, uh, they decided to make an interim title. And this was back when interim titles were still a little more rare instead of, you know, giving out like candy. And uh, so they did this at uh, UFC 111 the previous March where he beat up uh, Frank Mir uh, in round one. Yep. And uh, I was at that fight. You were at that fight, but we didn't know each other yet. No, but we were both there. It was in New Jersey. Imagine if we sat next to each other and we thought each other was like a jerk. Yeah, probably. That would have been funny. It would have been. Yeah, I don't think that happened, though. It didn't. Probably not. It was a big arena. Prudential Center in uh, in New York. For I was one. upstairs. I was also upstairs. Well, you know what? Where was I? I don't think I was upstairs. I think I was in the lower bowl. Okay. We were far back, but like we wanted to make sure we weren't like too high up. All right. It probably didn't matter. I mean, the seats were still very high up. <laughs> Watched a lot on the screen. Uh, but yeah, anyway, uh, coming into this one, Shane Carwin had not fought past uh, the four-minute mark. Of an MMA fight. Uh, I'm not foreshadowing or anything, of course. You know, just just mentioning it. He just had a lot of finishes. Yeah, just... Yeah. yeah he was no a finisher. Re- no relevance to this fight whatsoever. He took what being a heavyweight meant to heart. He really did. Finish me. it within Big five man. minutes. Yes, he did. Thank goodness for, for fighters like Shane Carwin. Those are the heavyweights I like to watch. Yes. Kill be killed. Uh, judges for this one. Adelaide Bird, Glenn Trowbridge, and Tony Weeks. And the referee... Josh Rosenthal. Uh, I will say that we actually don't have uh, the scores for how this round one went, but I figured I should mention the judges anyway. Yeah, I, I think we would we would know who at least won the round on each judge's score. I think we can guess who won the round, but yeah. to what degree exactly. they were doing back in 2010, anyone's guess. Yeah. Although I'm sure Nevada's uh, commission probably still has that record somewhere. And these three judges surely have roughly an idea of what happened. Two of which are, are still actively judging in Nevada. Yeah, yeah. Almost weekly. So round one. Why don't uh when we talk about this uh little, little bit of a uh, little bit of problem that Brock Lesnar found yeah, himself in. Yeah, Shane Carlin beat the ever loving crap out of him. <laughs> he did. I don't know if they can describe it any other way. He drops him with like an uppercut and Brock crumbles and just eats ground and pound for the next three minutes. Yeah, more or less. Although a lot of the punches that Carwin is throwing are like He's throwing them at where Brock's covering up. It's like, and not not all well, of them, but there's like the there's early several ones. where I don't know if it the, was just the, the early, early ones, man. I mean, there's there's a few times where he's just throwing, and it's not like Brock's moving around. He's just punching his arms, and then he's like, "Oh, I guess I should punch the side of his head." It's he like, could, dude, you wasted some of these. He could have definitely been more selective. He should have been more. I mean, especially in hindsight, but like, but, I mean, even even right in the moment, it's like you obviously just weren't watching where your hands were going. I mean, Brock is bleeding. Brock's so we, so we know that they're getting through. And Joe Rogan said that he thinks that Brock is hurt. He thinks Brock is hurt. He thinks Brock is hurt. And it what really mattered while he's just eating a barrage of punches nonstop is how good did Brock work his bottom game? <laughs> because because all he's doing is covering up. And, and so it's literally the only thing he's doing. And then at some point, Brock from the bottom throws out some sort of like leg kick. Did you catch that? Like to try to push him off to stand up, or I mean, it, it sort of looked like maybe that's what it was doing, but also oh. it almost landed like a leg <laughs> kick. It was kind of a weird motion. I I don't know. I don't know. I I don't. I don't think he was like out of sorts and throwing it. I don't. I don't know how out of sorts he really is during this whole thing. I think he's just getting bumbled and doesn't really have the tools to get himself out. He doesn't. Ha- I don't think he he knows how. 
Yeah, I, I think it's more of a knowledge thing than an actual um, wherewithal. Yeah, I don't think he's actually hurt to the point where he's going to get knocked out. No, but but then at but, the same time, he's also eating just a ton he, of effective offense. Yeah, he's he's just he's just getting pummeled. So yeah, with no offense of his own, there's just about nothing coming from him. Correct. Uh, I mean, with all that in mind. What is this round? Is this a 10-7? It's a 10-7, I guess, because we can't go to 10-6. I don't know that I would go to so, 10-6, too. Because, because again, I mean, we're even saying it ourselves. The guy probably isn't necessarily, like, this was, out cold or anything, I or think, even really terribly out of sorts for yeah, very long. But it checked damage strong, it checked dominant strong, and it checked duration strong. It did, but then there's also very... There's several lulls in the action. So, like, there at the beginning of the fight... There's really not much going on, and and then obviously there's that sequence that probably lasts for like a good minute and a half, minute forty five of just that total... is a freaking monster firework. Yes, yes, Dan is is thrown off by the fireworks, and uh, I'm sorry, you all. Uh, he's okay. Don't worry. Don't you worry about our buddy Dan. But yeah, so this one, it's really only like an hour, maybe a minute forty five or so where he's really pounding on Brock, which is a long time. But then after that. There's not much of anything. I mean, the fight gets back to the feet and it's and then leaning Brock, on each other. Brock runs the clock out. Yeah, I mean, so so yeah, I mean, I can see why someone would certainly even be able to make an argument for this one not being a ten seven in our system. I don't oh, I think don't. I would agree with it. Oh no, yeah. I'd probably fight him pretty hard on it, but I can see why it would lead to someone saying that just because you didn't have bell to bell. Bell, yeah, it was no bell to bell pummel, which realistically is kind of what you're looking for with an actual ABC 10-7, and it certainly didn't yeah, approach that. We're not going to get an ABC 10-7, but I, th- I would say this would be unanimous a very A very unnatural, unanimous, modern 10 Yeah. We don't know, again, what the scores were from, from Bird Trowbridge and Weeks. I'm going to guess Tony Weeks did not give a 10-8 because he typically doesn't. Maybe he didn't. But maybe he did. Maybe he did. But historically speaking, up until very recently, he was very stingy with the 10-8s. Um, Allie Bird, who knows? Glenn Trowbridge, who who really knows? I have no idea what they would have given. So it could have been just a 10-9. I don't know. But it was a different time, and, and obviously it didn't end up mattering because in round two, uh, after a nice little wink from Shane Carwin, uh, which, I, you know, there's nothing there's nothing as in, like, you know, the fix is in kind of wink. It was really just kind of a, hey, I see you're still here. I'm here, too. I, I think that's all it was, right? A little bit of respect. I didn't even notice it. Oh, you didn't notice it? I didn't see oh, it. Oh, yeah. That's the one thing I always remembered from, from the uh, beginning of round two was they, he gave that little wink across the cage okay. to Brock. Um, you know, they touch up after, and Shane doesn't land another punch. He doesn't land another strike oh, in this fight. I mean, he's completely blown up. He's, yeah, so. I, I think he's he's got the lactic acidosis working. That's what everybody was talking about in the uh, in the aftermath of this fight. It certainly seems like something's off, because he's just not doing anything anymore. And he doesn't seem tired in the sense that you would normally think of, right? Like cardio wise, he's yeah, okay. He, he's His like, arms are just done. He's just like sluggish, I guess, is probably the best way, right? Yeah, Brock takes him down. Takes him down very easily. Easily. No with, fight with to like it. A, it was like just like an easy little double. Hung out there in half guard, easy pass to side, locked up the arm triangle, and game over. Mm-hmm. That was it. And and you got you had your humble champion. The humble. That's what he <laughs> called himself. He declared himself uh, that he was what, blessed from God, right? Yeah. And something. and then he was a humble champion. Yeah, when I I I like Chael Sonnen's opinion when fighters bring God into it. What's like, that? God doesn't care about a fist fight on a Saturday night. 
No, and Sundays. I, Sundays. That's that's God's day. Yeah. So like on Saturday night, he don't care. No. Like whatever. Like Ben Henderson was. Like, oh my God. I. You know what? I can't get into this tangent right I, now. I'm not gonna. So, I'm not gonna engage it. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. We can move on from that. But but uh, as far as the aftermath of this fight, I, I was just find it kind of interesting to look back at what we have here. Obviously, Jane didn't win this fight, but he only fought one more time. He had the the fight about a year later against Junior Dos Santos, lost by decision, and then we never saw him fight again. Yeah, he probably felt, I don't have to get beat up for nickels. Yeah, he really wasn't so. making enough money to to be doing what he was doing. I think if, if there was the modern money going around for someone like him, I can understand why he might keep going. Uh, but, you know, he had a full-time job as an engineer. Like, he, he was making good money. Yeah, he, I understand why he didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah, I don't think money was the motivator for and, him. So. And then Brock, you know, this was the last time he ever successfully defended his belt. It was, it's the last time he actually has a win that still stands because the only other fight that he won was against Mark Hunt at UFC 200, and that one was overturned by, uh, well, you know. But the bet sticks. It still pays. Yeah, that's true. If you bet if you bet Brock, you still came away okay, and you don't mind. Uh I actually lost my winning slip. You had a winning slip. I on had that a winning you just misplaced slip. Misplaced it. I didn't misplace it. It got thrown out. That was placed in a wrong spot. It was misplaced. Yeah, on my nightstand, and then someone threw it out. Oh, so well, then someone else misplaced it. Yes, in the garbage they misplaced it. Yeah, that was the next time I went to Vegas. That how, was gonna be how much, my. How much money were you gonna get on that? I was gonna get two hundred bucks back. Brock Ooh. was a Brock was a big underdog in that fight. I don't remember that. He was like plus two hundred. I put a hundred on him. And I was going to get that money back the next time I went to Vegas. And I was going to like, oh, I have some nice money to start with. It's easy for me to say it this in happen. hindsight, but I don't think I would have considered for a second not betting on Brock in that fight if you told me. Like, that's why I bet was on like, this is an insane line. Yeah. Yeah. That's wow. That's pretty wild. Uh, I didn't even remember that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so really this was, this was, uh, I think this was like one of the peak heavyweight fights of this era, just because it was so like interesting it's not like it's like a great fight but it's a very memorable fight everyone was talking fight. about this, this and card... it was a huge fight it definitely was like a fight that people were talking about this card was in the, great in the, in the lead up yeah this was chris great, great card. over sexy yama that's right that was triangle that was this, one. this was one of the i think this was definitely the best pay-per-view of that year and really if you go back mm-hmm. I, I bet you this would rank pretty high on like the list of top pay-per-views of like let's say the pre-connor era maybe or like let's go with the pre uh fox era like okay. kind of during the spike years, yeah. You know this what was I mean? huge. So there's like a very For clear, the there's a very clear uh, period of the UFC that's like from the time Tough happens and and you know Forrest Griffin, Stephen Bond of the fight. You know we've done that fight on our show before, uh, all the way through I think the end of Spike before they take over with Fox. That's like a clear era of of time and and a place with the UFC. And I remember that very fondly. That's kind of like my favorite time. That it's yeah. probably going to be hard to top it going forward. Even if the athletes are better, if the fights qualities well, have gotten much better. Because uh, there's more divisions and stuff, which is nice too. And the women are also be able, able to compete too on the UFC. But it's just yeah. I mean, there's like a special place for me. But plus, also you're earning your status as a fan. Yeah. Thornis, because we're not noobs anymore at this point, but we're still newish. Where it's everything. You is mean just super the time exciting. of the fight? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, without question, because I'm not uh, I think I'd probably I did write my very first MMA story for the newspaper. I was at the New Jersey Herald about Dan Miller about a month or two before this one. So technically, I was covering the sport at this point, but it was like a one off. So I was very much still a, like 
just a fan of the sport. Yeah. So it was kind of cool. Uh, and I think probably that has a lot to do with it too. Is like there, there was a time where I wasn't really covering the sport and then I was covering the sport a lot more. So it kind of transitioned away from being a, a pure fan to, you know, uh, someone who covers the sport, but still appreciates and loves the sport and wants the sport to grow. Right. Uh, but in a different way. Yeah. And speaking of being a fan, I, I am still stunned how, uh, the guy in the next fight is not your favorite fighter. Uh, yeah, I can understand why. I and, really and that fight, that. of course, being uh, one of your favorites, one of one of what is it? One of your two or three favorites? Yeah, players? well, BJ's the top. BJ's the top. BJ Penn. Jim's the home. Jim Miller's the homegrown guy. The home. Oh, so he's in there. Okay. Jim's up. Yeah, of course. Jim's the only time. The only time I ever rooted against Nate Diaz was when he fought Jim Miller. I see. So, but then is number three Nick Diaz or Nate Diaz? They're That's a tag the team. The Diaz. They are Bros. not. You have to pick one. Uh, I would go Nick. Okay. All right. That's fair. But yeah, so th- this fight is, is of course, Nick Diaz against Takanori Gomi, the fireball kid. Who the, both Diaz brothers have wins over. That is true. So, But yeah, as I'll get to later, this is kind of the the beginning of the end for, for Gomi uh, as, as far as being like a top fighter. It took a long time for anyone to realize. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, to set the stage here, you know, this was at Pride 33. It was the co-headliner. At Thomas and Mack Center in Las Vegas on February 24th, 2007. And this was the second of only two Pride events in the United States. And it was also the next to last Pride event. So because they're in the U.S., you're not going to have that 10-minute first round and then the right. five-minute second round. It's, you know, three five-minute rounds. It's, I mean, other than the ring, this is almost not Pride. There was Were there soccer kicks allowed? No, there wasn't. Okay. No, no, no. It, that would not rules, have been allowed in the United States. Yeah, it was unified rules. So, I mean, for all intents and purposes, this is not a pride event. This is an MMA fight in a ring. It, yeah, under unified that's, rules. That's so. really all it is. It's it's almost like they they took UFC and then they put it in a ring mm-hmm. at the smaller Thomas and Mack Center as opposed to the bigger places like MGM Grand Garden Arena. Um, but yeah, Gomi, he's coming in. He's at this point, he's still the pride uh, champion, 160 pounds. Uh, 28 years old, non-title fight for this one, though. The, the belt was not on the line. Uh, he had just moved two months earlier to 27-3 and three with a TKO of Mitsuhiro Ishida in 74 seconds. And uh, that was in thanks in part to some soccer kick. Yeah. So he couldn't really pull those off in this one. Uh, Diaz was 23 years old, still very much a kid um, in this sport. 14-6. and six. You know, I don't I don't think necessarily the expectations were super high for this one. I don't remember. I, I was not watching, um, but I would have to think just looking at this. Not everybody was saying, oh, yeah, Nick's definitely going to beat him or anything. like that." Even though he was coming off a three fight win streak entering this fight. The last two were in the UFC against Glayson Tebow and Josh Neer. And he got finishes in each one. But he left the UFC after this reportedly to fight for Gracie Fighting Championship. Do you remember anything about this? I don't even never even heard of that before. They had two events and he never fought at them. Oh, okay. <laughs> so he left to fight at this place that never actually happened, supposedly. Um, but then he ended up signing with Pride. Judges for this one, I don't actually know all three judges, but one of them is almost omnipresent during this fight, and that's Adelaide Bird. So Ms. Ms. Bird, you can see she's her a very fixture clearly. In MMA. I mean, she she's in a lot of these fights for a very long time. She's been a judge in this sport for a long time and a judge in boxing for a long time, uh, and been taking heat from people for a long time. But <laughs> I mean, you know, not all of it is is truly as earned as I think. I think I think that the MMA fans MMA fans who give her, uh, you know, crap, give her guff. I think. They just remember 
Canelo and Triple G, and they just equate that to being she obviously doesn't know what she's talking about. They're not. I mean, we've we've even had rounds on the show recently where we, you know maybe not the strongest rounds from her, right? Yeah. But but I don't think we've looked at any of those rounds and been like. I no, mean, yeah. This is someone on who shouldn't whole, be judging MMA. She still does a, a very solid good. job in this so. sport. Um, but yeah, I don't know who the other two judges for this one. Referee is uh, Daisuke Noguchi, Japanese ref. So let's go through this round. The first round here was wild. Yeah, uh, right, right off the get go, Gilmi shoots, gets a takedown, like no fight from Diaz. Like he's like, oh, okay, that's I'll about play, right. I'll play off my back. That's about care. right. Lands some ground and pound. Diaz fights it with a Kamora grip. Decides to go for this crazy f- front roll, slams himself. And I guess if soccer kicks were allowed, he probably could have got stomped in the face in that portion. But they so I guess not. that probably played, played in his favor that there weren't. It definitely helped. So, but Gomi's but Gomi's winning on, on top so far. Back on the feet, Gomi drops him. Like, yes. Oh, my goodness. One of the very few uh, Nick Diaz Ooh. drops in his career. Some more ground and pound. They end up standing up, and then at this point, Diaz just pours it on with that, you know, classic Diaz pressure. But before that, like honestly, the where we're at in this round, like what you've already described, I'm I'm leaning very strongly into a 10-8. Yeah, it was definitely a Gomi at round this at point, this point. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a really good Gomi round and then yeah, like you said, it's just Nick, Nick takes over. Nick Diaz just cardio machine doesn't get tired just throwing punches non-stop landing. Gomi's just eating him and he's like, "Oh man, wobbled, getting wobbled." He's fighting back, but it, it it's uh, it trended. there's a little drunken master going on <laughs> it trended all the way back to to a, a 10-8 for ds yeah it really did so. i i mean you summed it up very well it, it's impressive that it got to the point where you're seeing it go from more or less 10-8 go me like we were saying to 10-8 nick and it was a very solid 10-8 in our system too i don't think you would have gone to the 10-7 or you no. know i don't think you would go to the 10-8 in the abc scoring Especially the modern scoring, um, especially not back then either. Realistically, yeah, no. two thousand seven, that was just that was just a ten nine. You a just picked two on the round, um, but but here, I think it's still very much just a ten nine round in modern times. But yeah, I like the fact that you can kind of go with the ten eight here uh, in this round, and it, it was, I mean, it was just such a wild round. There was oh, so crazy. much happening in this round. It was an insane round. I'm Nick, glad we picked. You know, this one. the thing is, Nick Diaz comes to fight. As, and he had a very willing love. dance partner in this one. That he did, yeah. So, I mean, say what you want about the fireball kid. That dude, he loves to slug it out. So that that was great. And then next round, Gomi hurts him, and Diaz's face is just a mess. Oh, yeah, he's all wrecked. It's he like, looks like hamburger after this fight. To the point where Gomi's trying to get the ref's attention to have him check the cut. <laughs> uh, to no avail. Yeah, it didn't, didn't stop the fight. And right. he locks up the Gogo Plata. Yes. Scott's favorite submission. Yes. It's the la- it's like the last time it's happened at, at a, like a major MMA show. And I maybe I'm missing something, but as far as like the big shows, Brad Imes might have hit one. But those are on the smaller on shows. Tough. And actually no, he didn't hit one on Tough, did he? He hits he hit like two or three on like the independent oh, circuit. Oh, okay. I thought but he I think hit he did tough. I think he hit two in a row on the regional circuit. Okay. Which is totally insane, especially for a heavyweight. Like it really what? is for a heavyweight. That's tough. It, Brad Imes, he'll he'll always have a special place in my heart just because he did that. <laughs> like I don't know what he's up to these days. I actually don't remember much about him as a person, other than he did the, the two Platas, and then he lost to uh, Sugar Rashad Evans in the final for tough two. But you you hit two Gogo Platas, you're you're a Hall of Famer for me. That's yeah, it. it's easy. And I still don't understand why Nick Diaz after this fight wasn't Scott's favorite. Well. Said he went from Machida, who's classically regarded by 
a lot of people as quite boring. And they are entirely wrong. I'm just saying. You know what? How you go from- A lot of people say a lot of things. A lot of people think that Verdict is a very good, useful app for scoring fights. Listen. Are they right? No, they're wrong. Correct. But at least that's that's fact. Leota Machida is a fantastic fighter and a wonderful fighter He's to watch. He's a great watch. fighter. I mean, to watch. Yeah, sometimes. When there, he knocked out Rashad, he was awesome. There are a lot of fights where he knocks people out, like when he knocked out Randy Couture's tooth with the crane That kick. was cool. That was cool. When, how about when he beat up Tito for three rounds, except for the last like minute and a half? He almost he stuck in a triangle. The guy who was the closer to get finished fighter was Machida. Yeah, probably. But I think you could definitely give at least one 10 8 in our system in that fight for Perhaps. Machida. I have to rewatch it. And he might have even still, he might have won that third round too. I have to forget. I have to, we have to watch that again. We're going to do that one at some point. We're going to do favor one day. I think we did do that one actually. Did we actually do it on the show or did we just do that for fun? I don't remember. We'd have to go back and look. I think we did it here. All right. We'll have to look. We'll have to look at the archives. Um, But if we didn't do it, we're going to do that one and we're going to do your first fight that you. That left an impact on you, which was I Randy Couture we did that one too. and Gabriel Gonzaga. I don't think we did that. Oh, for the Gabe show. Gonzaga. Oh, Gabe Gonzaga. Gabe Gonzaga. Yeah, right? Or, or was it was it Gabe Gonzaga? No, no, no it was Tim it Sylvia. was Tim Sylvia. I don't think we did that yeah. on the show, sir. I think we did. I think you're wrong, but we will look. I'm usually wrong, so mm, he's usually wrong. <laughs> yeah, let's go to the. I don't know. Yeah, we got we got one more. The fireworks. Yes, yes, the final portion of our show, and that is another awesome fight, Vanderlei Silva. Against Brian's oh before actually before we even go on to Vanderlei Silva against Brian Stan we should point out that uh, although Nick Diaz did win this fight by Gogo Plata it goes down as a no contest on his record because they didn't like him smoking pot yeah he's sparking it up it's it's so stupid yeah now especially now with with the whole controversy going on with Shakari Richardson the the track star the US track star who can't run in the 100 meters for the United States at the Olympics even though she would blaze the trail for everybody pun intended and win that event for us because she smoked pot yeah do we care come on what do we care anymore? get over this i don't i've never partaken i don't ever plan to but i don't care if you if you do anymore like just just don't give it to my 5 year old i don't care <laughs> Do it to yourself. That's fine. Jesus. Do you think I can I can give her somewhat of a like if I got a ten second head start? Do you think I could win? A ten second head start? Yeah. In the hundred meters? Yep. Yeah, you'd win. Thank you. Ten seconds. Yes, ten. Because seconds. Because it will probably take her just about ten seconds. Yeah. Yeah, that's the way you win. Congratulations. Thank you. Do you feel good about that? If I was gonna win an Olympic medal, yeah. <laughs> I don't think you'd be eligible. There's not an intergender race, sir. Oh, sorry. You forgot about that. Anyway, m- moving on. We got We got to get this last fight here. It's, it's, it's obviously it's Silva. It's Stan. Great fight. Awesome fight. Headliner of a fight night card that aired on Fuel TV. Remember those wow. days? Fuel TV, the early days of the uh, the Fox deal, where they didn't have Fox Sports One, Fox Sports Two. They had FX. They had FXX. And they had Fuel TV. Good old Fuel. I had to go to my parents for that one. I didn't live with my parents anymore, and I had to go all the way there just to watch these like six or seven Fuel TV events in standard definition because that was the only way you could watch it. And I didn't have that channel. Those were the days. Anyway, this was actually (laughs) we had we had a Pride event in Vegas. This is a UFC event at Saitama Super Arena in Tokyo on March third, twenty thirteen. So kind of a flip flopping here. Everything's everything's backwards. Up is down. Is right. 
Anderson Silva, uh, excuse me, <laughs> Anderson Silva's Vanderly Silva, apparently. Vanderly Silva was 36 years old, the Pride legend, of course, 34, 12, and 1. He had a no contest on his record as well, just like Nick Diaz, but this was kind of the more natural kind uh, in terms of the fact that he gave a low blow to Gilbert Ival, and that fight was stopped. But you know what? Might have been deserved. Yeah. Gilbert Ival was notorious for his fouls, so does anyone feel bad? No. No. A little low blow that ends the fight, whatever. Deal with it. <laughs> Deal with it. Anyway, uh, he, he had actually lost uh, for the second time to Rich Franklin in his previous fight, uh, the June before this one, at 190-pound catchweight. Honestly, I wish that they would do in the UFC more catchweights like this in fights that just they don't have to do with the title picture, right? Mm. Just let them fight it at a weight that they're good with. Mm-hmm. I'd be totally fine with it. Like, a- any fight that Shogun Hua is in, does he want to fight at 205 or would he prefer to fight at like 215? Let him fight at 215. I don't care. He yeah. will never fight for the title again. Yeah, and I don't care that he's at 205 instead of 215. I don't. Just let them do it. Anyway, uh, that's 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 my little tangent here. Brian Stan was 32 coming into this one. He was 12 and 5. He had lost his previous September uh, fight by decision to Michael Bisping in a battle of future UFC color commentators. They're both pretty good. I love me some Brian Stan. He is still my favorite previous fighter turned color commentator i want him back all right that's no that's not even to diss anybody now it's just i he's my favorite it's hard to i'm gonna bring up the color commentator for this fight oh yeah okay you you should you should uh the judges we'll go to that real quick the judges for this one because we were uh overseas we had barry foley charlie keach and chris watts who at least two of those three typically are based out of Australia. Uh, the referee for this one was Mark Goddard. Good old the Mark. venerable Mark Goddard. So Dan, round one. Insano round. Wild round. Crazy round. Crazy. We, we've had crazy rounds this whole this whole show. They just they just stare at each other and throw bombs. Yeah. I mean, that's Vanderly Silva. He yeah. was this was vintage Vanderly Silva just throwing like crazy. Stan gets clipped early, gets back up. He clips uh Vanderlei, drops him. Just swinging on each other. I mean, there was there was plenty of times they took breaks because they had to. They did. I mean, the pace was impossible to keep up. Otherwise, it would have been probably the absolute greatest fight of all time, and no one would ever forget that they watched it on Fuel TV one day. But when they decided they wanted offense, they both decided they wanted offense at the same time. Yeah, and <laughs> and they were willing to engage at the same time. Kept swinging and swinging. It's like they were on the same rhythm. It's like, all right, we'll take I think a break they... here, and then we'll go. I think that each guy had two knockdowns in the round each. I don't know how many of them were actual knockdowns because I, I mean, there's one in particular. I remember uh, Vandalay like looks like he's going, he's like knocked down, mm. like kind of buckles. But it really did look to me like he was in the firefight. He's getting landed on, and then he immediately decides to go for a double. That was kind of yeah. That well, that was the first one. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is uh, shortly after that. Officially speaking, from the UFC stats numbers, which take them for what you will. Officially uh, poorly. <laughs> it's it's one knockdown each in this round. Yeah, I'm going to... But actually, I believe that in this case. I really do. Just kind of watching the fight. I'm going to give them two each. All right. I think you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny Florian is loving it. He can't just talk. He's screaming. He's... Yeah, he's, he's in bliss. He's just <laughs> screaming everything. And uh, some point in the round, another time where they're, you know, kind of just taking a break, Stan decides to start landing some good leg kicks. It's like, all right, while we're resting here, I'm going to eat your leg up a bit. Mm-hmm. Then they, last minute of the round, they start throwing at each other again. Stan gets dropped pretty good, but he pops right back up, and then he goes to town on Silva. Silva's hurt, falling into the cage, ends the round on top, uh, popping him. 
with some ground and pound. So where'd you go? It was so close. It's really close. I, this is such a hard call. It's weird. I mean, in such an action-packed fight where both guys had such huge damage. You can make a real effective case for either man, right. I think. So I'm going 10-9 Stan. I also did. I, I saw it the same way as you. We were on the same page the whole for, for all three of these fights, actually. We're back in rhythm. Yes, we are. Uh, but, you know, again, I think you can make a very compelling case for either man here, just because there there are a lot of big Stan's bleeding pretty landed. good, too. Yeah, he is. He so. is. There's some good physical damage there. But I do think, ultimately, there was enough effective offense coming from Stan to outweigh what was going the other way. And, and just the simple fact that both of them had roughly the same amount of knockdowns and, and, and highly damaging strikes. Like, how are you going to sit there and say definitively... One man definitely won this. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's a judge out there who obviously they have training and I don't, but it's hard for me to look at this one and say anything other than you You told me one guy won. Fine, I believe you. You told me the other yeah. guy won. Fine. I see it. I get it. They both landed huge. Great. So. Great round. Excellent round. And fortunately, again, it doesn't matter what happened in the first round. We don't know how it was scored. We don't know how any of these were scored. And uh, we we had an emphatic knockout. Oh, yeah. From Vandalay Silva. Drops him on the feet, puts him out cold on the ground. This is effectively the the end for Vandalay Silva in the way that I think people want to remember him. Yeah. This is actually the last fight he wins. Okay. This was after or before Rampage, when Rampage got that little extra shot in on him. No, that was uh, earlier. Okay. That was much earlier. Okay. Like... I want to say like five years earlier. I'm I'm pretty sure about that. That that was at I want to say that was UC ninety two. Okay, so after this, he probably did he start his beef with Chael? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And then obviously they never got that fight because Vandalay. Uh, well, ran, they had ran the out of the gym. gym. They had the fight in the gym. Well, they also had they also had the uh, the the test takers came to the Vandalay Silva gym and yeah, then he left the gym. <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> sorry, I got places to be. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't look good. Um. And, and Brian Stan, this is this is his last fight. He retired after this fight and became the greatest color commentator that the UFC has ever known. <laughs> the man all should aspire to be. Stan's the man. That's going to do it for this episode of the Couchside Judges. We'll be back again on Friday. Scott will have his data ready i should have it ready we'll he see should. if i can get we should see if i can get it ready it's it's a lot of stuff i hope i can and, and but either way we'll, we'll either have that we'll have a fight to you know another pass fight to break down and we'll talk about the weekend's card with conor mcgregor and uh dustin Poirier number three yeah should be a busy week in mma thanks for listening take care everybody <laughs>